Welcome to episode 34 of Developer Village, a podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Village brings regular discussions about everything software development. You can find us online on developermelage.com and you can follow us on Twitter via at devmelage, that's dev, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We're very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us on Twitter or leave comments on our website. We appreciate all of your feedback. If you'd like to pay for our drinks in future episodes, when we are back to the coffee place, of course, please contact us. And now, here are your hosts. My name is David Leiter. I'm co-founder of Square Solutions, a Viennese software company, and describe myself as an enthusiastic software professional who is working on various projects using a bunch of different stacks and environments. My name is Christian Haas. I'm a developer who embraces extreme programming. I'm Peter Kofler, the Code Corp. Obviously, I'm fanatic about clean code. And today we have a guest, Marit. Hello, Marit. Hello. Hello. Uh, Marit, first, would you tell me your last name, how to pronounce it? Pyhäjärvi. Okay. So, uh, hello, Marit. Marit is a uh, um, principal test engineer or feedback fairy, how she calls herself. She's a keynote speaker, book author, and conference organizer. So, that's uh, a lot of achievements. And Marit, you told me you just uh, recently changed jobs, right? Yeah, I and this um, also in the in the chat before kind of this episode, this is an interesting opportunity when uh, you still have the memory of the old job and the new impressions from the new job. So how do your jobs compare? Um, so I used to work in a product company and I still work in a product company. So very much similar setting in that sense. We... Well, both organizations had about 500 people in R&D uh, in the previous company. I was working uh, in a team as one of the people in the, kind of like a representative in the team. And that's exactly what I'm doing in the next company as well. The biggest difference that's kind of making me curious uh, is uh, that um, I find that in software development, we've gotten kind of addicted to the idea of fast feedback. And when you lose it, like I did right now, it really makes you feel like you went back in time rather than, than that you are where you used to be. So I'm making some of these jokes about uh, traveling, time traveling into the past. And I'm in an interesting position right now in the sense that I get to use some of the things I've done earlier in my career. And I can see if uh, we can kind of tune up the, the, the pace in how things happen. So going back in time, and I wonder, is it is it the going back in time part, or is it that you so seldom set up the, the whole groundwork, especially if you're in a product company, like you said? So both of these companies have been doing software for quite some time, I'd say decades in both cases. So there's definitely groundwork. Both mm. of the companies are very established in successful business using software. So... Uh, I, I can't say that it's it's like from that perspective, it's going back in time. But this idea of uh, having worked particularly with quality and testing related practices, uh, the, the fast pace where uh, when you're basically making a line of 
line of code change and you have the, the feedback immediately at your fingertips. You can see after a line change, you can see the, the end product being changed because of that change of yours. Mm. It's kind of like a pipeline thinking. Uh, we don't have that yet as much in the, the new company. So what what I get to is, is uh, kind of missing that type of thing. So while both companies manage to develop really well software, the practices feel uh, very different in, in the new one. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, switching off the syntax highlighting of your IDE. You wonder, well, every IDE should have this and now you suddenly don't. Why not? Except that uh, sometimes when people never had that syntax highlighting, that's kind mm. of the case right now. So yeah, I'll exactly. be the, the person right now telling people about, hey, by the way, did you notice there's this syntax highlighting for people mm. who have never had that? So kind of walking people through these experiences of what it could be like and what do you want more? Uh, what are the possibilities? So that's that's kind of what I what I do right now. So you work with multiple teams or you work uh, co-located with, with one team in this company? The role that I accepted, that was actually built specifically for me, is one where uh, I have a multiple level role. So I am placed into one software development team that does cloud-based software development. But in addition to that, uh, there's a whole project delivering a, a system of systems where there's multiple other teams delivering into that and I take a look at uh, kind of practices over those different teams but also uh, on the third level I have some role around uh, helping people grow their testing and quality related competencies so making sure we share and we learn from from one another. Okay so quite a lot of heads I would say so and but but back to the topic which you meant that um, this this company is kind of not so mature in, in, in pipeline. You, you mentioned the, the term pipeline. So you mean this kind of DevOps thinking or is there even more what you, what you, um, what you mean with this term of pipeline? So in particular in the, the new company, uh, the history that we have is that um, we've been building hardware, software close to hardware. So basically firmware okay. and devices and that kind of things. And the most modern ways of thinking around DevOps, in that's exactly what you were saying, uh, they might not start from that side, but they come to that side a little later. Mm -hmm. So uh, introducing DevOps, introducing ways of, of getting continuous deliveries, uh, introducing ways of seeing if the system works continuously. That's where we're heading right now. Okay, but I, I uh, please please excuse me if I, if I got this wrong. But for 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 me, um, uh, at least the, the Twitter profile always had this um, kind of a very very testing focused um, um, aspect. I would say um, your Twitter profile. Um, and how does this now all play together? Because um, is this your? Do you see this as, as your part of, of improving the testing, or do you see this as a general need which needs to be done? Otherwise, yeah, it, it is too much pressing that you could focus on other things um, before solving this kind of issues. So back in the days when I started working with testing, I was used to the idea that we got to build maybe once a week or in the end of the project. And, and when we were verifying that build, we would not take new changes until we had a list of the specific changes that we would approve. Uh, 
And then we would take, you know, not really wanting, but kind of taking uh, reluctantly some fixes and then verify that it's exactly as it was before, except for those things that could change. And I still, you know, I've been through this time of life, so I still remember it. I remember what it was like. And I thought it was the best thing in the world back then. But I'm a few years older right now. (laughs) I've had a few other experiences. So going back to this idea of, of controlling changes is definitely not what I'd like to have because the latest version of the software with all the fixes, that's going to the customer. So somehow we need to have a way of developing software together as the whole teams uh, where we don't stop the change, but we allow the change and and we somehow figure out productivity. So kind of my focus shifted from from, uh, just quality related aspects to the fact that quality enables productivity. Like we can do things in an enjoyable and fast way without addressing the feedback uh, uh, related things. So, I think this is a very powerful sentence you just said. I can, uh, I, can, can you maybe say it again? Because I think it's so important what what you tried to or what you what you said now. Yeah, that quality enables productivity, right? And it should not just be a sidecar to to uh, your product. Yeah. Um, so definitely, over the years, I have learned that you cannot uh, switch between schedule and quality. If you take out quality, you have messed up your schedule because it will always leak in the end. So this whole idea of managing quality in the end by just, you know, making sure we don't let any developers do any of the changes, that is very old school. And some of these practices, even though in my current company, we do actually allow for that change to happen. Uh, and we're somewhere kind of in between the very old world and the latest of the new worlds. We're right now in a place where it's typical to get a nightly build. Mm-hmm. A nightly build means that you're always basically six to eight hours delayed from someone making the change, maybe breaking it, to getting that feedback. And also it creates this um, kind of like a little bit of a siloed approach where some people are working on a different cadence than the rest of the team. So there's the service providers, the testers giving feedback. And what I'm used to from my previous work is, is this idea that the whole team is building those mechanisms and having it always at, at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. I so really like how you said uh, quality enables productivity. It's kind of my uh, second motto also. So like also we are very different. We also very same. Um, David, did you have additional question to because I want to go back to to the beginning of traveling back in time? No, no, do it, do it, do it. Um, I have a lot of additional questions, but I will ask a lot of additional questions. you said that both companies are like uh, quite similar in in size and also like in in uh, like I, I guess in revenue or in uh, if they are successful, right? Uh, let's say it this way that the new company is business-wise a little bit more successful uh, in in revenue. So that's that's very funny because like uh, in the the mindset of the XP, like uh, in all the practices we are talking about, the practices are required to be successful. So how is it possible that the new company that has less of these practices uh, is even more successful then? 
I think it's more on the side of working in a very different business area. Uh, they work a lot close to hardware, uh, a lot with system of systems, being able to interconnect pieces in ways that customers need. So I really think it, it, it goes down to filling the, the customer need. And customers have only recently, uh, with software first, started to understand that they might not want to wait half a year for getting their fixes or getting the latest feature. So the world changes slowly. The customers uh, change slowly. And I think uh, it's more relevant to get to this faster delivery type of thing for the future than it has been in the past. Mm -hmm, definitely. So it's catching up even with hardware-focused companies, basically. Right? I think the hardware-focused companies of today uh, are nowadays actually software-focused companies, mm -hmm. whether they realize it or not. And I find myself in a lucky position to be in a company that has actually realized that already. So all of this DevOps transformation stuff, being able to do continuous releases, uh, tying the, the ends of... <clears throat> ends of delivering some software or some piece of functionality. All of that is coming from the, the needs of, of this is where we want to go as the company. But it's handy to be in a position where I've walked that path a few times already and I can see certain patterns kind of emerging on, on uh, what are the things you really need to do. And the first things you need to do, even if they are very evident from testing perspective, they are not exactly only uh, making the testing work. Yes, it seems that you have, like you say, you see patterns emerging. The, the, the more and more you, uh, the more often you have this scenario, the, I guess the quicker you get to the point what you need, as you have, I guess, more and more seen what, what are the necessary things and what are the perhaps uh, failed experiments from the past. I have a hard time remembering uh, failed experiments of the past. I mm. find that uh, I'm always in a unique situation. Even if there's a lot of similarity, there's always different set of people. And if the people want to learn and they want to take new ideas and they want to try them out, uh, the failures, so-called failures, they turn into learnings when you mm. think of them uh, in hindsight. So uh, I, I really like this, this kind of like an idea that fail, if a IL, it's kind of like first attempt in learning. So mm. there's no failure as such. There's always just learning. So sometimes you need to fail in particular ways to have the experiences of what other things you might want to try. And it really, I, I believe very much in this idea that it's uh, about context. And the most important aspect of context is people. The people that I work with, what are they where are they right now? What are they interested in right now? What they want to do? And I find that even though I kind of enter these things as a tester, my biggest allies typically nowadays are, are developers. So I find myself working early on nowadays with developers, whereas previously I worked very much with other testers and managers. And, and this whole kind of insight into this idea that nothing changes in the software unless someone changes the code and we get it through the pipeline and it gets delivered. I wish I knew that 25 years ago when I started, <laughs> but no one really talked about it back then. Okay, this, this sounds like then that, that every team or every person has to go through this 
I would say evolution. I will call it now evolution for a point. When you say it's it's always a, a personal, always team specific, always personal specific. That yeah, at, at one point they have to go through all this transformation of like DevOps automation, immediate response, and and the likes. So, and I guess then, if if you get accustomed to that. Uh, you will most likely have this realization when you switch companies or switch teams because the, I guess uh, at this point it's still the case that many are lacking this automation or this level of automation. Yeah. And it's not just the test automation that they're lacking mm. or the unit test that they're lacking. It's also the, the team level collaboration. Well, especially mm. in this time when we are forced remote, starting new practices like pair programming is is well, more even more difficult than it is in a normal time. But so it's also that uh, the way the team collaborates, and uh, in particular, it's this idea of of just having this kind of like a heartbeat, where on a regular interval you're about to give it to the real users, not just mm. somewhere on a shelf where no one else is looking at it, but finding a way of actually delivering that piece of software that you've created. On a regular cadence. But this brings you closer to the product, right? As a developer, this brings you closer to the company and this gives you the feeling you're building, yeah, you are the product, right? And I think this is a very important um, thing when it comes to the mindset within the company and within the collaboration. I see this when people say you you build it, you own it, right? So DevOps, uh, from a DevOps perspective, I think this is a very important sentence because when people suddenly realize, okay, we own it, then, you know, it's a total different feeling how to build software, right? And I, I have the feeling that it goes somehow in this direction also, right? Yeah, and it shows in these everyday discussions. Like, for example, in my current job, about a week ago, I reported a bug that I, I found. And the response was immediately, it's not a bug, it's as specified. It might be a bug with the specification, but, you know, I don't really feel like this belongs to me. Oh, well, wow. in half an hour, we had already had that discussion with the other people in the organization, realizing, okay, do we do want to fix this? And and had the conversation on, on what yeah. kind of things are bugs. But ha even having that kind of a conversation, I've had hundreds and hundreds of these conversations over the years. But comparing that to my previous company, where we got to a place where we had no product owner, we could talk directly to our customers. And we felt like we owned the product, like we would consult everyone in the company, but we actually did own the product. I am already seeing kind of like nice steps towards wanting to do that, having those conversations that enable us to do it. But I find that maybe the thing that is changing for me is that uh, previously I thought it was absurd. It was too much to ask to go that way. And now since I've, I've gone through that path once, asking for it is, is a very powerful thing. So saying mm. that maybe we could do things differently. And all of a sudden, when you have something concrete that you can try, people are quite willing to, to at least experiment and see if that's one of those first attempts in learning that we need to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. It's interesting. So can I, I now I heard almost all or probably all XP practices and, and principles. Do you consider yourself like an XP uh, change agent or something like that? No, I consider myself a more programming fan. <laughs> so um, I don't really 
see myself either as an agile uh, change agent or XP change agent or even more programming change agent. I more like just want to find ways of building software effectively, efficiently, so that it feels like we are actually doing something together and, and we're not just kind of taking a step forward and step backward, which is often what you get when you have the developer versus tester type of mentality. Like we should be building that stuff together in some way. And the labels like XP or Agile, uh, they have so much meaning to people that I kind of rather take a particular practice like, let's say, more programming and just have people sit together in doing some things. And the first place where I'm going to be introducing mobbing in this particular uh, company is uh, the system of systems testing where multiple teams need to get together. I really mm. want to get people in the same virtual room and see if it works and fix it together when it doesn't. But maybe the difference, because I, I found the question interesting, which Peter just asked, um, in, in which area you see yourself. Maybe you cannot answer this um, uh, quite clearly, because uh, as far as I understood, you're, you're supporting on the way to the target, right? And you're not providing the target as a, as a, as a typical consultant, maybe who would say you need to do it like this, right? you're taking the hand of the people and, and trying to bring them um, and you don't actually maybe even know what would be the best situation to build efficient software. Could this maybe, because this was one of the questions I wanted to ask before, what do you think was missing in this company? The understanding, what should be the target of how we build software or the way to this target or maybe even both? I think what is missing in the new company is what was missing in my previous company earlier. And it's the idea of how responsibilities go. So while the previous company had this product owner, we had exactly same kind of behaviors where someone had the, you know, all the answers, they made all the decisions and we would wait on them to say things. And we wouldn't bring our best selves to the table. And I think the exact same thing is actually missing in the, the new company. That we have people who have jobs that they love and enjoy doing. And the way that I approach things is even if I am given kind of like a goal or a target, I don't just kind of, well, I came with the goal. I was recruited for having that goal. So it wasn't given to me from somewhere magically above. It's definitely supported from above. But uh, I came with the goal and I believe in this idea of job crafting. I believe that whatever job I'm given, I should craft it to look like the job that I want to do. And I want to do a job that has an impact. And I want the impact to be positive. I want it to be positive for all the developers, all the testers, all the managers, and in particular for the customers that the software is serving. So I find my goals from, from that idea of impact. I craft my job. Uh, on some days, I would say I'm a developer. On other days, I would say I'm a tester. On some days, I'm definitely a manager. On some days, I'm a consultant but I no longer care as much 
what I end up doing on a day-to-day basis, but the starting point of what I'm framed as, it usually helps me achieve some of these impacts. And that's why why this current role is, uh, I feel it's a really great fit for, for both me and the organization. Mm. I saw myself also uh, in, during the last years, more and more refining. I, I'm less interested in exactly what we're doing, rather I'm interested in how we are doing it. Perhaps this is similar to, to what, what you were describing. I find myself actually more and more interested in what we are doing. Okay. And I feel <laughs> like the the how, <laughs> I think it's, it's actually exactly the opposite. Mm. I find that uh, I'd like us to be able to do things that make a bigger impact. And mm-hmm. uh, fine-tuning the how is just a means to that bigger impact with that software. So having something that is useful for the, the, the world, some, something that uh, people find that they want to pay for, and that hopefully, in addition to the money aspect, has also positive impacts. I can, you know, if at my first company, the previous company, we were fighting cybercrime. That was, you know, worthwhile goal. And in the new company, it's it's about weather and 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 knowing about uh, uh, weather related phenomenon. So both of these are things where I can find my motivation in the what and being able to enable the what in a scale where software necessarily hasn't yet gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. I fully understand this, and I think this this makes lots of sense. Yeah, and I think many people think the same way. One of the challenges I then observe is, I mean, when you when you spin this fast forward to a point where you say everybody should focus on impact, right? This is what uh, developers at Facebook and, and companies like this hear all the day. Focus on impact, right? You should just focus on impact. And that's fine. But if you if you think like this, I mean, you cannot expect from from every developer or every employee in a company right that he that he can always focus on this because maybe you need at some point in time because as a developer i think a good example is sometimes you are limited by organization by politics within the organization it's not always the development which which makes you slow or which doesn't allow you to bring impact sometimes it's something where you don't have any where you don't have the skills actually maybe or you don't even want to have the skills to change this so how do you how do you how would you ensure this, right? So not everybody's a uh, rock star in, in having all the skills to, to deliver impact in a software company. What is your what is your position to this? So the way I think around this is that we all make some dents in our own way. The most junior summer employee just started a couple of days ago and, and they definitely are trying to find the place where they can contribute. Uh, every single developer feeling uh, kind of tied down by the organization, they've looked for that corner where they can contribute right now. And not everyone needs to be breaking the organization to build it into a better place. But some people do have to do that. And I find that if you have no one who uh, kind of cares to break things, to rearrange them, and find a new way of working, probably you're not uh, finding the actual future that you should travel to. Like, you know, it's not enough to just be on the 2020. You should actually go forward into whatever the future looks like. So 
having different people contribute whatever they can with their today skills, but learning every day. That's kind of my philosophy on, on how I approach this. I talk a lot of this about this idea, well, to my colleagues, to everyone who listens, basically. I talk about this idea that if you become just 1% better every single day, you are about 70 times better than yourself today in a year. So 1%. It's just basic uh, 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 multiplication. So... Uh, you don't want to stay the same as you were today. You want to find that some way of you stretching your skills. And we don't all need to be able to do the things that, that kind of like all the, the whole uh, uh, variety of things. But knowing who are the people who you can rely on on the things you don't do mm -hmm. is, is a good thing to have. Yeah, I like this a lot, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm still reflecting on my, well, uh, opposite um, stance. I, I guess with the with my focusing on on the how we do things, I guess my impact is then having the people, the developers, my colleagues, that they have by themselves better impact. Perhaps I'm not con considering what exactly we're building. Perhaps my colleagues are what they're considering, yet they are not focusing that much on how they're doing it. And here is where I then come in and supporting in supporting them in that way. So in, perhaps I'm indirectly in the what, <laughs> no idea. And again, maybe the what and how actually are inseparable. Maybe mm. there's so many layers of them that you can't just separate them. Like if I think of the impact that I would rather make in the companies that I work in, is the happiness of all of my colleagues is, is kind of the impact that I'm looking for. Right. And the how part of how we do things definitely has side to it but I'm also really really curious on, on how we are doing software that really matters you know instead of doing something that has been done hundreds of times before how could mm -hmm. we do something that is, is 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 unique for the customers what are the things that make us special compared to others so again kind of like appreciating whatever good we have right now even if I see a lot of the things we need to improve that's the guideline that I'll try to live by okay and the, is this guideline now like i said with the going into the past is this now more challenging now or is it giving you more opportunity to well revalidate what you had done already years ago so i find that i'm very unhappy with my past self now that i i feel like i'm i'm doing the things again the the things that i tried last time I don't feel like I want to necessarily try them exactly as, as I did, but I want to find the right path for the people that I know right now. And with 10 plus more years under my personal belt, I can tune into what the people have and what are their strengths right now in this particular case a lot better than I could 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, it was a lot easier to take a book and kind of, you know, take a thing out of that. And, and now there's a lot more of these uh, fine-tuned, I feel like we haven't tried these kind of things for a while. Let's spend some time on doing mm -hmm. things together versus things alone, focusing on unit testing versus focusing on the end-to-end the -end testing. Like you can't do all of these things at once. People get very overwhelmed if you introduce all that change at once. So you have to choose the right stretches for the people that you are working with. And I think that's 
making me unhappy with my past self. So this time travel is, is more like a personal reflection in many ways that I don't like all the things I've done in the past. But I would hope I've learned to do something better in the future. And the core that I seem to be taking out of all of this is, is respect in particular for my fellow developers, because nothing changes for the users unless we change the code. Yeah, that's very interesting. That sounds a lot like uh, levels of expertise, basically, right? So you're saying 10 years ago, you maybe knew how to do it, so you you made it, but you didn't uh, consider the context that much. And what you're explaining right now, you're considering a lot of context and this, these little things, these little feelings, maybe a belly feeling like, oh, mm, mm, let's do it like that. So that really sounds like a expert level uh, knowledge, which is... Uh, no surprise, because like you're doing it a long time, you're doing it again, um, you're focusing more on the people. So that's uh, it's quite interesting because I still don't know if I want to get uh, get then be an expert in these transitions because there's also always these hard parts and and uh, um, problems with people maybe or. Mm. What but I mean is it's not, not that easy. Transitions always are always like hard work, right? Yeah, they are hard work. But I really like this uh, little quote from the, the Necromancer book, basically saying that the future is already here. It's just not equally divided. And mm. this idea of recognizing the bits and pieces of future that you want to live in uh, helps me uh, with the idea of this is the world that I want to live in. And the chances of seeing if different people want to move to that place, if that's the right place for them, I find that an intellectual challenge. So that's the, the type of thing that I do enjoy. Mm -hmm. But what is maybe, I mean, um, that's, that's maybe a little bit of a, of a, of a yeah, I don't know if you can answer it, but maybe you, you can try it. But what are, what are you main points so, so what what do you think is is the ma most important thing for this company right now um to to provide um that people can go into this direction is it just that you give them the safety that they can fail or do you do you see more so i think there's one thing that this company needs right now and it is that we release frequently Okay. Getting away from that speculation that builds when you don't release, that's the one thing that this company needs right now. And I believe many companies do need that. And if you do this, you mean automatically people will change in the way of working and, and it will, okay. The people follow uh, thinking about the customer and the customer having that software at their hands. Mm -hmm. I didn't expect this honestly as an answer, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, su you're surprised a lot by Marit, yeah. Marit, right? Well, I, I know Marit, so I'm not that surprised. So, so one of the, the last questions we finally have is, where do you think people can start to learn what you gained over the last years, right? Over the last 20, 25 years, as you mentioned. What is when people want to go in this direction and want to say, "Hey, we want to do something similar. I want to have also an impact like like Marit has in my company. 
what is the best way to start this? Uh, there's a book called uh, Accelerate, which is about DevOps. Yeah. You could look yeah. at that. And if you want to go more into specifics from a testing perspective, Katrina uh, Kloki uh, from uh, New Zealand has written a book about uh, testing in DevOps. So I, I would recommend those both. Okay, cool. Amazing. Amazing. I think that's also a good time to round that up, right? Cool. Yeah, I would say thanks a lot, Marit, for joining us this time. It was really a pleasure and it was really insightful. I think there were lots of very interesting phrases in there. And I also heard that you're organizing a conference, if I got this right. So we usually close our episode with a little bit of giving context. What are the favorite meetups? What is yeah? What communities do you join? Um, and, and what what conferences are people organizing in your situation? So I used to organize European testing conference, but we decided to close it after this year. It was the fifth year and we wanted to focus our efforts elsewhere. So that will be the last of, of the series. My absolute favorite conferences are the open space conferences like Socrates. Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely where I would go find an open space conference and, and trust in the idea that even if you can't see the contents, the people will make it worthwhile and, and you have the control yourself in, in kind of bringing a topic that you want to learn on and other people will show up for that. And do we have something that's happening in Vienna? Christian? Nothing new comes to my mind, although the, the Go meetup did happen again in June. Um, this time, even as a as an ad hoc, well, random discussion <laughs> stream, so to speak. So the the speaker had to had to cancel their talk in the last minute. So it was pretty much the two organizers while reading on the newest uh, Go news and the people in the chat commenting on on either these news and or providing some topics on their own so it was a some something like a, a radio show with with um, callers <laughs> sounds interesting and i think you tried a coding dojo online coding dojo recently how did that go Christian? well it didn't because i made the mistake of not looking at the calendar and it was right on a, on a, on a holiday so I had two few reservations, and in and, and, and the end, it was only one person, and I said, "Okay, we can skip it." And right, so I will, I will, I will do another uh, another attempt soon to do an online coding dojo because the technology is there. All that I'm missing is uh, are the participants. It seems like there's a kind of a bit of a fatigue, uh, like uh, there are less people coming to the online Anilense. It's because they have been uh, a lot uh, some conferences went uh, completely online so uh, do you also feel that Marit? Definitely I do feel that and now there's all the options in the world you can join any local meetup that went online and you no longer have to just stick with your own community I was just thinking that I've been now participating in the DDD domain driven design meetups that went online I think there are uh, originating from somewhere in Germany. I actually haven't even paid attention to where in Europe they are, but they've been really good conversation-oriented meetups uh, on, on, on figuring out how you design 
designing these uh, a bit more modern ways. Cool. So it's also then an opportunity, right? We still have the opportunity that uh, a lot of things are online. Maybe some things will stay online uh, forever, uh, seems like. Um, so we have more choice, which is also good. Maybe one thing from my side. I'm, yeah, um, we we shifted the code crafts now to March 2021 in close alignment with the city of Vienna. Oh, so huh. especially non-essential events were requested to be postponed to 2021. And as we are a non-profit community organization, we said, okay, sure, we should give give the opportunity to those who really need to do those events um, for commercial reasons. Um, so that's why we shifted it to March. I think it was the right decision, even if it looks now that things are going faster than expected. Um, but yeah, let's see. So we need to wait another six months for the first Codecraft's Vienna conference. <laughs> and I already have my ticket, right? So it's uh, it's <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> It's a shame. Uh, awesome, but, uh, Peter. Peter, yep. there's more time to to join the CFP. That's that's the good news, right? <laughs> yeah, I already decided not to join the CFP because I'm uh, yeah I'm doing too much. So now the the the, uh, the torture is even longer, right? So to hold yeah. back. <laughs> okay, I think uh, that was it, and see you all soon for uh, when we team up for another cup of delicious developer melange. Thank you and see you. Thanks. See you.